You've heard the name Ebels, but now you need to remember My Delta 8. From the same people who brought you Ebels, My Delta 8 is Delta 8 THC, offering a semi-sedative physical sensation without the overwhelming mental simulation of Delta 9 THC, resulting in a smoother, much milder experience. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 offer both best quality product and customer service in the industry, from helping manage chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more. The reviews are in, folks. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 are truly game changers as a natural alternative to big pharma drugs. And hey, yours truly here at the Brian Nichols Show can vouch for the quality of Ebels and My Delta 8 having to deal with a herniated disc in my back, plus years of sports injuries. Ebels and My Delta 8 offer relief where generic medicines simply mask the pain. And did you know you can get Ebels and My Delta 8 delivered right to your door at a special discounted price? That's right. All members of the Brian Nichols Show audience can use promo code TBNS at checkout and boom, discount applied. Again, that's code TBNS at checkout to get the highest quality CBD and Delta 8 THC on the market delivered right to your door. One more time, the code is TBNS at checkout. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Sunday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on today's special Sunday candidate highlight series. And today we are joined by Jim Tassone. He is running for state senate in New Jersey in Legislative District 39. Now, we did have a little bit of camera issues here. So for you YouTube listener, you're going to notice, uh, unfortunately, we did not have any uh, video for Jim's end. But for you traditional audio listener, it's a conversation as usual. Uh, but today we top, uh, focus on the topics that are really top of mind for Legislative District 39 uh, being number one, public sector pensions, number two, Two, school choice, and number three, healthcare choice. A great conversation to be had with Jim Tassone. So that being said, on to the show, Jim Tassone, here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks very much, Brian. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Jim. So for the YouTube listener who's usually watching the show, obviously we're, we're having a little bit of a video difficulties here, but we're going to make this work, folks, because that's what we do here at The Brian Nichols Show in the era of podcasting. Anything can happen. So Jim, we're we're making it work on the fly, but I want to make sure we're giving you 100% you deserve in terms of raising awareness for your candidacy. Now, I've had my great behind-the-scenes uh, extraordinaire Frankie, who's uh, from, from New Jersey, and she's been getting me amazing candidates from uh, the greater New Jersey uh, area, and I'm excited to have you continuing that tradition here on the Brian Nichols Show today in our Sunday Candidate Highlight Series. So, Jim, you're running for state senate in New Jersey. Let's do a quick introduction uh, for you to the uh, Brian Nichols Show audience, and what got you involved in politics? Sure. Well, I was in high school and college in the late 60s, early 70s, and I was part of the anti-Vietnam War left, mainly because I didn't want to get drafted. So I campaigned for anti-war candidates, Senator Eugene McCarthy in the 68 uh, Democratic presidential primary and for George McGovern in the 1972 Democratic presidential uh, primary. One of McGovern's platforms at the time was 
he wanted to give $1,000 to every person in the country, which today would be about $6,500. And um, I thought that sounded like a good idea. But then in the early 70s, I started working and got a better idea of what economics and markets worked. And I realized it didn't make a whole lot of sense. So I took a look at the Republican Party and they had some free market people there, but um, they also had social conservatives, neocons, drug warriors, crony capitalists. And so I was politically homeless until I started reading the fiction and then the nonfiction of Ayn Rand. And that led me to the Libertarian Party, the National Party in 1976, when it was only five years old. So I've been a libertarian for 45 years, a lifetime member of both the National LP and the New Jersey LP. I was vice chair of the NJLP in 2016 and 17, and a New Jersey LP candidate for US House in 2018 in the fifth congressional district, and New Jersey LP candidate for New Jersey Senate in 2017, and again, I'm running for that seat in 2021 in Legislative District 39. Gotcha. Now, Jim, the question I have to ask every single one of my guests, because I'm genuinely curious, I think, and out there your your constituents are going to be curious to this question as well, and that is, well, Jim, number one, what was it about you wanting to run for office that inspired you to, I guess, now not just run for office, but run as a libertarian. Isn't it easier to go ahead and win as a Republican or a Democrat? Well, for 45 years, people in both of the parties have suggested that I could try to advance the cause of liberty within those two parties respectively. And I've seen what happens to candidates both locally at the state and at the national level when they attempt to do that. They really don't make much headway and they wind up compromising what's unique about the Libertarian Party. And that is that we see personal and civil liberties and economic liberties as really two sides of the same coin. And the other two parties don't see things that way. Gotcha. So, Jim, let's um let's kind of backtrack a little bit more towards specific issues for New Jersey. Now, we've had a plethora of, of candidates here on New, uh, from New Jersey. We've had Greg Mealy, who's running for governor, along with his lieutenant governor candidate, Eve Brownstein. We've also had Nicholas Magner, who's running for assembly. And now we have you uh, running for state senate. So let's talk about maybe not so much specific issues that pertain for all of New Jersey, but maybe we can do a little bit more pigeonholed for specifically State Senate District 39. So what are some of the uh, the issues that you're hearing right now in your district that are top of mind that people are looking for some uh, solutions to the problems they see? Yes. Uh, the thing about District 39, which, as I said, is Northern Bergen County and also three towns in Northern Passaic County, it's a relatively middle class, upper middle class area. It is a very nice place to live. The schools here are average to above average, and the quality of life is very good. Of course, the property taxes are very high, uh, even higher than they are in the rest of the state. And so that tends to be um, an issue for people. That's a local issue. But at the state level, the things I am focused on are really threefold. It's um, First of all, to reform the big budget items in the state budget, 
Public center, sector pensions are about $11 billion a year. Uh, Health care takes up about $19 billion of the state budget. And education, $10 billion in the state budget. And that's in addition to the $24 billion that are collected from local property taxes. Chump change, Jim. Chump change. Yes. These programs are all in serious need of reform. And none of the other two-party candidates are talking about these issues because they recognize that you have to reform the programs in order to reduce spending without lowering quality of service. And it's by reducing spending, it's the only way we can lower taxes and reduce the debt. And less taxes and debt means fewer people leaving. And a lot of people from District 39 either have left or are contemplating leaving. Yeah. Can you blame them? I mean, we're seeing this across the board. I hail originally from New York State, and I think the number I saw last, uh, most recently, was ballpark 600,000 plus people, I think it was, leaving in 2020, if not more. And that was probably a, a relatively low number last time I saw that, especially as you start to go back and start to look more into the, the numbers and we're digging through and figuring out really that the true cost of this COVID-19 lockdown from a government a government lockdown perspective. And I think that's also what's really important too is, and you're hitting uh, this in terms of the, the economic situation for New Jersey particularly, is that a lot of these problems are entirely caused by government in the first place. And a lot of it is because there is an incentive structure built in place for the traditional red team and blue team to keep doing what they've been doing because that's really what's gotten them elected. And as soon as you start to say, we need to start to examine these programs and reevaluate these programs, are they actually working? Well, then it's the fight or flight mode. People who start to get defensive and they get worried. Oh my goodness, are they coming after my program that I use or the one that I work for? So I guess, Jim, how would you go ahead and tackle the um, the resistance that I'm sh- almost certain you would you would face in, in the Senate if you're trying to ta- take away all these very, uh, very expensive pet programs? Well, the way to do that, of course, is to um, really get to the voters uh, because it's having enough voter support is the thing that influences uh, state legislators. So on my two other big issues... Uh, are increasing school choice uh, because we know that through competition, we can get higher quality at a lower cost, and that'll reduce both state and local taxes. Mm. And more importantly, it allow parents to match uh, each child with the school that best meets their needs. And then my third issue, of course, is to increase healthcare choice. And that's through reforms to insurance, occupational licensing, regulatory barriers, really to reduce cost without compromising quality. And these are the three issues, uh, the pensions, the schools, and healthcare that tend to be most on the mind of constituents that I've spoken to. Mm. So let's let's go one by one really quick. So pensions, you, you see pension issues across the board. For the left, I think it's going to be more in the teacher unions, especially. And then on the right, it's going to be more of the uh, police unions, and you see this kind of yin and yang where they both don't want to acknowledge the elephant in the room, that is that both the unions are are absolutely inflated, in many cases corrupt. So I guess how would you convince a voter that a libertarian is going to be able to tackle these massive unions? Because, I mean, we've heard the rhetoric, especially from, you know, in the era of Black Lives Matter and, and civil 
justice reform. You're looking at the police unions being really looked at with a, a very focused eye. And then you look at the conservatives going after school teacher unions because of all the issues that have been happening here over the past year with teachers not going back into the, the workplace or the very uh, least teacher unions fighting to keep schools closed. So how can we convince Republicans and Democrats, or maybe the better question would be folks who just are traditional, normal people out there who maybe aren't necessarily partisan voters, how can we convince them that a libertarian would be able to help, uh, I guess, answer those questions? Part of the reason would be to explain to them things they're not hearing from the other two old parties, which is companies like IBM and others um, avoided going bankrupt with their traditional pension systems by doing the following. Uh, They kept retirees and those near retirement in the current system to honor the commitments they made to them, but they started moving all new and recent employee into 401k type programs. And so over the course of time, those tend to uh, supplant and take the place of the traditional pension systems, which are no longer economically viable, regardless to whether it's the private or the public sector. And we've now seen some states start to take the initiative in following this type of approach, Texas being most recent. So a lot of times it's just showing people that it is possible to do this, even in the face of opposition from public sector unions. Can I play devil's advocate? Because I have to be devil's advocate. So then I would say, well, right there then, Jim, Texas did it. They're a Republican state. So shouldn't I just go ahead and... I, and, and hey, this is the challenge, this is the objection we hear, right? We're, we're, I'm a sales guy by trade, and I'm always thinking, okay, what, what objections are we going to hear? So here's the objection. Well, if Texas is a red state, they're getting these things taken care of in Texas, then maybe they're going to be talking about school choice. I'm sure we can talk about that. Why shouldn't I just go ahead and vote for the uh, the red team? Well, for me, the answer is I think this red state, blue state dichotomy is very much overplayed in the sense that we have really blue cities, we have red rural areas, and we have purple suburbs. And so I think what you have to do is to segment and target those people and those segments in your state that are most receptive to this message and then build outward from there. Gotcha. So what what success I say or as I go back to the there we go, the right screen there, Jim. So what what success can we look to, I guess, for libertarians to model this approach from? Because I, I know that's one thing people are looking for is trust. How can we trust libertarians actually to get these solutions into action? Um, I guess not so much will the solutions work, but can we trust libertarians to be the ones to actually get it to to, I guess, actually take place? Is there a merit to that concern or I guess that that uh, objection people raise? It is a catch-22 in the sense that if we are not never given the chance to do that because the deck is so stacked against us as third-party candidates, we'll never be able to demonstrate that. But I think we have the opportunity to show how the two establishment parties have both utterly failed over the past 25 years to live up to their promises. One of the things that they count on is when they propose a new program, voters, because they tend to be compassionate people, tends to be supportive of that program. Let's say it's a job retraining program, but they never go, the voters never go look and say, 
do we already have 100 job programs already at the state and federal level? Uh, how long have they been in existence? How much do they spend? And how well are they actually working or not? And do we ever go back and kill the ones that are not working? This is a failure of both the Republican and the Democratic parties. And I think to the extent that we can highlight this to the voters, we can make them aware that they should seriously consider a third alternative because the first two aren't working. Let's go to school choice. I'm, I'm curious because this has been raised up on the show multiple times and I'm, I'm on board. School choice, I think, is easily one of, if not the top button issues going here into 2021 for sure. I say going into 2021 as if it's like we just didn't start 2021. I'm a sales guy by trade and like I'm just looking at my calendar. I'm like, it's already the second half of May. Where did 2021 go? Where did May go? Where's where's life going? Anyways, school choice, Jim. Let's talk about that, right? So with this being top of mind issue, again, we see a lot of Republicans taking the mantle of this argument saying we're the ones who can get this into action. So again, let's kind of approach it though from the standpoint of libertarians. How can we, I guess, enter into the conversation saying we can get this into action and maybe stand against the uh, the, the teacher unions despite the years of uh, efforts trying to, to do that, uh, I guess, from the Republican standpoint? Sure. This is a particularly relevant question for my district, because in my district, there really are no bad schools. There are no failing schools. There are average public schools, and they're above average to very good public schools. So naturally, a question from my constituents are, why do we want to be for school choice? And one of the things we've found through studies is that when there is more choice and competition, as there is in any market, even average schools or good schools or very good schools tend to get better in the face of competition when they can't just assume the dollars are coming to them. And that is why things like vouchers, backpack funding, uh, charter schools and the like are all ways of giving the money to the parents and let them choose the school that best meets their child's need. And that's how subsidies for pre-K and college work, and people are comfortable with that. So why not apply it to K through 12 as well? Let the money follow the student. And again, we're seeing, as you well know, in over 20 state legislatures, bills are in committee or being passed or being sent to governors to actually have the money go to the parents and the students, not to the district. And that would very much attenuate the power of the unions and the education bureaucracy. Also, so we had Corey D'Angelis in the show. I feel like, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, the meme, like the also just adding on, um, Corey D'Angelis was saying how for teachers, and this is one concern that's raised up. Well, it's, it's going to hurt teachers and no, actually ends up raising across the board the average teacher's salary just because now, by your very point that you raised, the, the nature of the competition in the marketplace, it actually pushes the schools to have to compete against something other than themselves. And that's something that I think people are starting to catch wind of. This idea of like, oh, we can do this stuff without being told by the government that we have to do it a certain way. That's intoxicating. So talking about, you know, looking at other solutions, let's look at healthcare. Now you mentioned healthcare choice across the board. And I think that's something, yes, as well, is on top of people's mind because of 
Well, I don't know about you, Jim, but I think we just went through this pretty crazy thing that kind of impeded everybody's life, and this was COVID, right? So COVID lockdowns hit the the United States. You have COVID-19 running rampant, so you have people who are looking to say, well, why didn't the United States government react quicker? Why didn't there, why why wasn't there a vaccine faster? Why were these uh, mitigation efforts completely bungled? Why has there been such a misinformation in terms of do masks work, masks don't work? No, you need to double mask now? Oh, masks actually don't work again. Oh, by the way, we don't know if masks ever work. So what's going on here, I guess, from a standpoint of getting healthcare choice and how would that have helped us in an era of COVID? The way I tend to approach that question is that many of the problems we had existed prior to the pandemic and they will remain after the pandemic subsides. And so, for example, Medicaid is a big portion of our state budget, the healthcare portion of our state budget. And one of the things we've learned from some studies, like one of the most famous ones done in Oregon, is that they were unable to find a real statistical difference in health outcomes between Medicaid patients and uninsured patients. And so we really need to take a close look at how we pay for outcomes, not just procedures and activities. So if we're spending this huge amount of money and we're not getting the results, that's a real problem. The other thing we need to do, and this goes beyond the state level, one of our biggest problems is what we call insurance, whether it's government insurance or private insurance, isn't really insurance. When I was growing up, My parents had Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance with low premiums, and it was only used when you went in the hospital for something that was expensive and unexpected. When you went to the doctor or even a specialist for an office visit or a test of that kind, you paid directly to the provider out of pocket. There was no uh, insurance company involved in it. And so all the price distortion we see in the healthcare environment, where you don't know how much is something is going to cost before you go into the doctor's office, all of that is the result of the insurance company or the government insurance being in the middle. We need to get back to where insurance is really used only for true insurable events, so we can have low premiums and we can have price competition in terms of things like direct primary care, uh, which is starting to now really take hold throughout the country. That's how you make healthcare affordable. All of the attempts to make healthcare affordable these days have not done that. They've merely shifted the cost from the patient to the general taxpayer through subsidies. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're seeing it, Jim, across the board. There's a resurgence in in just the market churning, changing and adapting. And I I was just overhearing. And by the way, folks, like as we get back into the office, right. And you start to see people again, enter into the conversations, pay attention to what people are talking about, because this is where we can enter into the conversations. I heard one of my coworkers saying, yeah, man, pediatricians, they've been the ones really hit hard because you're seeing urgent care and other forms of, of healthcare options entering into the market. And he was acting as if it was a bad thing. And I'm thinking like, 
I don't know. I think that might be actually a good thing because that means that the market's adapting and changing to the demands of the marketplace. And that's a good thing because that means that, number one, we're going to start to see more uh, incentivation or incentivation, more incentives rather uh, put into the marketplace to bring people into that service uh, sector. But also it's going to cut costs and lower costs for people across the board, which I mean, goodness, if we can get to a point where we're having like a $50 membership a month to go to the doctor's office for like the most basics of things that why not that that seems like a very okay approach and i think you'd find a lot of doctors would take that as an approach but just to your point we have to start to untangle a lot of these laws so i mean jim we're, we're at the point now unfortunately we do have to get ready to it uh, to wrap up so let's kind of end here i want you to uh, to get last word and give your pitch to the voters in uh, specifically legislative district 39 why should they be looking and voting for a libertarian yes i know we gave the comparisons to the, the republicans and democrats but truly not just voting for the alternative but let's say voting from a actual you're going to get stuff done perspective. What is that pitch to uh, to those voters out there? My pitch to them is that I am raising issues in such a way that solutions that are simply not being addressed or even discussed by the two old party candidates in the state legislature are opportunities for us to introduce a third voice into the conversation so that people broaden the debate and consider going outside the traditional talking points of the Republicans and the Democrats and look for innovative ways to address the tough problems that frankly, the two old parties are trying to avoid as much as possible to face. They're trying to kick the can down the road because their primary goal is to get elected or re-elected. My primary goal is to do the hard work and raise the hard questions necessary to fix these programs that need fixing. Jim Tassom, running for state senate in Legislative District 39 in New Jersey. Thank you for running as not just uh, running for office, but running as a libertarian. Yes, running with a big L next to your name along a slew of, an, of um, amazing, phenomenal candidates that you are running there in New Jersey with, from Greg Mealy to Eve Brownstein, Nicholas Magner, and more. So that being said... Thank you so much, Jim, for for running. We'll make sure we include all links in the show notes so folks can go ahead and find you easier. And with that being said, thank you so much for joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you, Brian. When we're talking about living a truly free and independent life, we mean it. And that's exactly what Gary Collins, who is the creator of The Simple Life, set out to accomplish. And now you have a chance to learn all the secrets that Gary has developed over decades of trying it out himself, building these amazing courses, as you can go to thesimplelifenow.com and access three amazing courses. One being the Off the Grid Master Course, two being the how to finance your off-grid home course and three how to find your dream off-grid property course and get an awesome 10% off at checkout by using code TBNS10 that's right you too can learn how to live a truly free and independent lifestyle by living off-grid and all these amazing courses are delivered to you by yes one Gary Collins from the simplelifenow.com use code TBNS10 at checkout for 10% off your order and start living your free life today 
Before we wrap up, I want to tell you about an amazing new podcast. You longtime listeners of The Brian Nichols Show know him well, and that is one Brad Palumbo and his stellar new program, Breaking Boundaries. Join Brad as he interviews top writers, politicians, and thinkers from all across the political spectrum to give you a new perspective you won't find in the mainstream liberal media or right-wing echo chambers. From guests like Rand Paul to Glenn Greenwald, Brad is having conversations and focusing on issues that are driving America with the people who are in the driver's seats. So... Head over to your favorite podcast app, hit subscribe, strap in, and be prepared for some wild food takes like Rand Paul and his grand mayonnaise conspiracy. Again, that's Breaking Boundaries with Brad Palumbo, available in your favorite podcasting app today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Jim Tassone. He is running again for Legislative District 39 in New Jersey. If you are looking to uh, get some real liberty into action, folks, this is where it starts focusing on local elections, state Senate election here, Legislative District 39 in New Jersey, Jim Tassone. So, folks, if you could do me a favor, please share today's episode. Help get Jim's, uh, Jim's campaign out there far and wide, especially in the great state of New Jersey. Let's get him some more media attention and uh, hopefully, well, let's change the conversation towards Liberty Solutions. So, folks, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please help join us here at the network in helping increase the message of liberty far and wide. By number one, uh, you can become a supporting listener over the program on our Patreon. Yes, $5 a month, $10 a month, either an entry level or account level executive. You can join the Brian Nichols Show Patreon, but either way, you're going to start off by getting hit with one of these awesome don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. What do we talk about here in sales? We have to first initially peak interest, and, and this is a fantastic way to peak interest, just as it is with one of our awesome sponsors, which I'm really excited to uh, give you a sneak peek, by the way, about Proud Libertarian. I'll talk about that in a second, but uh, if you want to help support the show, number one, you can become a reoccurring uh, contributor here on our, our Patreon. I greatly appreciate your support, and it really does help us here at the network reach more people. We have a lot of amazing things growing behind the scenes. Now, I teased it. Proud Libertarian has been one of our sponsors here, and we are going to be actually doing a brand new shop over on Proud Libertarian, all Brian Nichols show merch. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Bumper stickers, um, a lot of fun stuff like uh, you see behind me, the uh, Alexa overthrow the government, um, having uh, bumper stickers like that, as well as the Google version. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff that we're going to be having. And thank you um, to the awesome team at Proud Libertarian. So excited to be working with uh, that phenomenal team. And it's honestly, again, what we talked about in the, the promo is supporting libertarian entrepreneurs. So thank you uh, again for you guys supporting us. And I'm so excited to be promoting that awesome new uh, gear and swag coming your way. Um, what else can you do? If you, if you don't want maybe necessarily take that financial contribution step forward, that's okay. I get it. What you can do instead is, is number one, share the show. That's that's a great way to do that. But when you do, make sure you tag me uh, at B Nichols Liberty so I can go ahead and, and reshare uh, your your tagging me um, and, and sharing the show. So it's uh, at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, and Parlor.com. Also, if you really enjoy the show, by the way, just email me and let me know, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com, or if you have a phenomenal guest in mind or if you think you would be a great guest, well, again, please email me, brian at briannicholsshow.com. Let me know. I love to hear it. But also going back to how you can support the show, well, again, if you can't necessarily make that financial contribution, another thing you can do is just go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and review. Actually, don't even go to Apple Podcasts. How about this? Because at the show, I don't know if you've noticed this, at briannicholsshow.com, it's a brand new rebrand of the show, and we've just transferred platforms over from Fireside to Megaphone, and uh, with that, we now use a platform called Podpage, and Podpage has right there on it the reviews tabs. You can click the reviews tab. It's it's so easy, guys. So briannicholsshow.com, hit reviews, and go ahead and give me a quick 
five-star rating review. Tell folks why you are a longtime listener or a brand new listener of The Brian Nichols Show. And this is what helps sell, folks, is stories. We know that if you're a, a longtime listener at the program, that stories help sell people on value. It helps show, oh, this is why this person overcame this obstacle by seeing the value in whatever the product or service was, right? Or this helped them overcome their struggle. Well, I'm seeing across the board that the conversations are changing. People are starting to talk about things differently and through a more pro-sales, pro-marketing approach. And, and candidly, that's also why we, we did what we did with the ebook. Uh, the ebook? The ebook. There we go. Uh, and that ebook was four easy steps you can take right now to implement uh, or to help sell Liberty to uh, Liberty. Um, let's try, try that again. Four easy steps. It's been a day, folks. Four easy steps you can implement now to sell Liberty to friends and family. There you go. And, and you can find that book, by the way, at BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash Liberty Friends ebook. And that book, again, focuses entirely on how we can help sell Liberty to people in our immediate circles right now. And that is a great opportunity for you guys to not, not, not number one, just talk about this stuff, but actually go out there and enact this stuff in real life. It's making a difference and it's exciting to see uh, that we are, in fact, making a difference and the conversations are changing across the greater libertarian world. And one of the people who is helping me with this mission is uh, coming up here on Monday and it's a returning guest and uh, actually a behind the scenes extraordinaire helping this show blow up. And that is one marketing guru, Chris Goizetta. He has joined the program. We're digging into some marketing topics, part of this brand new uh, series here on the show where we're going back and forth between Chris Goizetta talking about marketing and Jeremy Todd talking about sales. Uh, Once a week, we'll be hearing from one of those two gents starting things off here on Monday with Chris Goizetta. So if you've not had the chance, you head to BrianNicholsShow.com. Hit the subscribe button. But with that being said, folks, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on the Sunday Candidate Highlight Series for Jim Tassome. We'll see you on Monday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at BrianNicholsShow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to William at DBPodAudio.com.